Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we are discussing The Punisher Season 2. Feedback. Woo. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm really good. I'm really, really good. Better than last week, because I heard you were sick last week. I was very sick last week. Um, and, um, yeah, so we we totally missed last week of casting, because I was just... I was very sick. I think I did Sick. A, <laughs> I think I did a Star Trek cast, um, but did not make it over here. Uh, but my Star Trek cast sounded like this. <laughs> so, you sounded like uh, Ferengi? Uh, yeah. Good. You and Dave, you and Dave are both good at that. Like uh, context switching, we're like, oh, we're talking about Star Trek now. Let's make all the references Star Trek references. <laughs> oh, we're talking about DC now. Let's make all of them DC. Re- you know, I uh, I'm not good at that. So I'm always over on the Star Trek podcast making Buffy references and over here making Star Trek references. I I, I can't context switch like that. <laughs> <laughs> you just uh, you. Blend it all together into one big nerd cast in your head. Yeah, it's all one big nerd cast. My life is one big nerd cast. Uh, That's oh, true. Speaking of, I got to give a shout out uh, to my, my my new friends Trella and Mike. They came out to the, one of my show last night, and uh, I, they had written me on Facebook asking me about what time the show started, and I just assumed they were like people who had heard heard me or seen me out in Georgia somewhere. Um, and uh, they, they they came to the show, and I walked up, and I was like, hey, guys, what's going on? And they were like, hey, uh, my name is Trella, this is Mike. Uh, we came because we're fans of the podcast. Which podcast? You have, like, five. Well, uh, at first I assumed Marvel, like, straight up, because this is the one that has a lot more listenership, because we've been doing it a lot longer and has built over time. Uh, and I was just assuming Marvel. And then he ran up to me, uh, and, and it was like, hey, I had a theory about the Red Angel and Spock. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I said, oh, you're, you guys are fans of the Star Trek podcast? He's like, oh, we listen to both. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, so just shout out to them. That was the sweetest thing. Uh, I, I play over in Atlanta all the time, and it's really, really rad that they made a chance to come out. I don't know. Super cool. Super cool. That is them. cool. Uh, that is cool. I don't. I don't think I've ever met our podcast uh, people in the wild before. Hmm. I'm trying to think if I have. It's so funny because we talked to so many people uh, in the feedbacks and just like on Facebook and Twitter, but I've never actually just met people that uh, listen to the podcast um, it, that I didn't already know, of course, because some pe- some of my friends I find out they listen to the podcast and they're like asking me about our theories, and I'm like, it's weird that you know about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, no, the podcast is my secret shame. <laughs> <laughs> Let me bury it. <laughs> uh, I have people like that at work all the time. Like, think about being like in an office setting and having somebody be like, "Hey, have you heard this guy's podcast? It's pretty awesome." And I'm like, "Nah, it, stop, please." Um, yeah. I mean, you're right, but stop. It's weird. And it, this is not embarrassment of the cast, but it is weird. They came out to the show and I was like weirdly embarrassed. Like I had just like, <laughs> like I, I was so thankful and so appreciative that they came out. I was just like, I was like, I don't, hey, thank, thank you. I don't know how to, uh, talk about 
uh, I, I don't. I feel awkward because I'm so thankful. <laughs> it's, the, it's the context swap. You couldn't context swap yeah, in the moment. I'm like not that. good at context switching at all. <laughs> uh, well, okay, let's dive into some. We only have like an hour and a half to record, so let's dive into some Punisher feedback because we got Punisher feedback. We got a good bit. We got a good bit. Yeah, we got a, we got a good spread of it. I think um, sweet. So like this one, here we go. Here's a good, here's a good starter because it has no spoilers. Jeffrey James said to us on Facebook, Punisher season two, episode one, no spoilers. Great podcast on this episode. However, I think you missed an important point, which is that the band in that bar had the bass mixed so high that it completely dominated every song. Plus they were making the same mistake that most bar bands make, which is balance the sound so that the vocals are just another instrument rather than the correct mix, which is that the vocals should equal the sum sound of the rest of the band. I admit I'm no fan of country music, but that mix was so bad that I was hoping Frank would shoot the bass player, which he would have considered if he had any musical taste. The rest of the show was excellent. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, I dig it. Um, <laughs> obviously, I have I have opinions on this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to leave that one to Matt to field. <laughs> that 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 sounds like Matt's department. I think, uh, yeah, that they definitely didn't mix it like it was supposed to be on the show. This was not a Luke Cage situation. I think they were going for uh, a mix like you're actually in a bar <laughs> and like especially when they're in other rooms and stuff bass carries real well so i think they were deliberately trying to make it sound like the muffled band in the background to make it sound seem more like a cd bar but uh and I, yeah i'm not a big country guy either but um you know i thought that band sounded pretty good and it just to me it made a lot of sense that uh frank kind of dug them i don't know <laughs> I didn't think of him as a country music fan, but then when I saw it, I was like, yeah, that probably makes sense. Oh, man. I've always thought of Frank as uh, being a Metallica fan, but that was just a, a carryover from the first uh, trailer where they synced up the guns to the drums. Yeah. I I think in everything, Punisher always kind of has that dark metal vibe to it, just like yeah. the movies and the show. It'd be really funny if he was just like a secret K-pop lover. He like kills gang members on the streets just bloodily, but he's just like, man, I just, oh, I can't get over those little Korean guys. Just all their hair, their hairstyles being all perfect. Just, mm. yeah. I've seen enough of my friends on Facebook posting about K-pop that I, I feel like I could probably actually talk about from frank's perspective talk about it properly <laughs> as if he were a fan okay and um, have never listened to any go of it. for it full voice i don't everything. want to give, give I don't us the voice to. and talk talk to us <laughs> listen madani you're gonna bring me to like yeah i'm gonna take that cia job but i want you to get me over to korea <laughs> <laughs> it's just where I belong. <laughs> right. I got a job, Madani. Working security. <laughs> and following around oh gosh, what's that band's name? There's like a there's three letters. You said you know your friends talk about K pop. I didn't say I knew the bands. Oh, there's a bit they're like there's one just of the themes. biggest bands in the world right now. Uh and I I, who? I just know that because you know, in the music world it seeps in. Uh hmm. but uh, yeah, there's some big band like it's three letters. It's just BTS. 
XO. BTS, right? Is that it? <laughs> I think it's BTS because I, I always get confused because I'm like, behind the scenes? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's BTS. It's like a like a six or seven person K-pop band. It's like the biggest seven. band in the world right now. Most of them are like, you know, six or seven members. Yeah. It's, a, it's basically a band that is a dance troupe, and that's every K-pop band. I thought, yeah. I thought you were saying they're, it, normally they're six or seven like years old. No, 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 no. I was like, I mean, they, they do have baby faces, but I don't think they're that young. Nope. And they got that super cool, like, 90s parted hair. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. The, the, the whole K-pop thing right now is just super throwback to the 90s. And I don't know if they'll go through the same sort of change that we had in music, um, where, like, well, I don't know. It, it, it's, not, it's hard to say, because we definitely had, like, Everything was pop, and then grunge hit, and everything was grunge, and then everything went back to pop, and now it's some sort of weird fusion of the two where we don't want anything that's too poppy, but we don't want anything that's too grungy either. <laughs> and I'm talking in broad generalizations, of course. Oh, yeah. The sweeping generalization of the entirety of the world. Right, right, right. And Which, you know, everybody everywhere follows the same musical stylings, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, we we have like a certain level of like what is the number one thing. I guess we're in kind of a grunge moment right now. And I when I say grunge moment, I don't mean I mean I'm talking stylistically not uh for like what they wear and things, not so much the music because all these all these like SoundCloud rappers, like if that's not grunge clothing, that's like that's like post grunge right there. <laughs> it's not, not not musically, but like like the the face tattoos. That's like much further than wearing a flannel. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like it's like the same yeah. the same ethos. The same like you know I don't care if I look good. I'm right. going to be. I'd rather look wild or dirty. So I'm going to oh, give myself man. face tattoos. So like after that, we need to get. Uh, a K-pop band um, that looks like like every one of them, all seven or eight of them, look like Scott Stapp from Creed. <laughs> oh, Scott's Creed's a weird artifact <laughs> of that of that time period because it's like it's it's like taking the voice of Pearl Jam and putting it on weird. I don't know, very poppy inspirational music i don't know it's weird man it's a weird, that's a weird uh that was a weird that was a weird thing that was huge um yep and i mean you know, I, I, dug it. Was I, dug it when I was 14 or whatever um, <laughs> all right let's get so punisher let's get back to punisher please <laughs> i will i will talk about music this whole time if you want so, do you remember when we were talking about uh the the season one episode, or I'm sorry, season two, episode one, uh, the major fight where it started in the bathroom. I do, I do. We talked about bathroom fights. Yeah, we talked about bathroom fights as being like a, a big thing now. And you were mentioning Terminator. Well, Nerdy Tastic said it on Twitter to us at MCU Cast. There was a bathroom fight in Terminator Three. Yeah, good, 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 good pull, Nerdy Tastic. I get all the Terminators a little mixed up, and most people don't think of three. And so it's cool that you remembered which one was three. I never watched three. Oh, man. I, everyone will tell you it's not as good. And I, it's not as groundbreaking for sure. Because Terminator 1, Terminator 1's amazing in its own right. Terminator 2 is one of the best, like, 
sci-fi action movies ever. Uh, but I think Terminator 3 is great. I don't think it breaks too much new ground. Um, but it does some really bold stuff, uh, in the plot that I don't want to spoil, but it's really, I really, I really <laughs> like it. You should I don't watch. want to spoil this 15 year old movie. Yeah, you know, uh, well, the thing that I'm thinking of is how the movie ends, and I think it's super, like, I think the ending is super bold and fun, uh, for a, you know, big budget sci-fi movie or whatever, sci-fi action movie. Mm-hmm. The, Let's see. The thing that blows me away about the first Terminator is when you think about, when you watch it, how much of the stuff in the second Terminator comes directly from the first one. Like, they're describing the future. They even have a few couple shots of the future. And all of that stuff is sort of, I, I don't know, You the first one feels like it's all just a horror movie, but if you really watch it, like, a lot of the, the time travel stuff and just, like, how much how much world building goes on in the first one is really super fun. I like the Terminator yeah. movies. Yep. Yep. Well, I like the I like the first and second one personally. Yeah. Um, and after that, eh, haven't really cared. Just three didn't look that great, so I didn't go see it. Right. Um, and then I went back for Salvation. I, where ha- I it hated was Salvation. All in the future, and was like, this is the worst thing. Like this has devolved bad. I mostly really hated how it ended. Uh, really, really hated how uh, Terminator Salvation ended. Um, and then Terminator Genesis. Genesis uh, was uh, was weird. It was just weird. They they tra- they played with time travel too much. Like the good thing about a, a Terminator movie is you you do one big time travel thing that yep. introduces an interesting concept, and then it's just an action movie from there. And <laughs> yeah. Genesis, they were just jumping around to different times a lot, and then you get that sort of Back to the Future two problem of like. You needed Doc Brown with a chalkboard is what you needed. Like, you really <laughs> did need that scene where you were like, listen. Let's <laughs> see, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm doing like a Rick and Morty voice more than I'm doing a Doc Brown voice. Yeah, um, you kind of were. <laughs> listen here. <laughs> <laughs> listen, Sarah Connor. <laughs> <laughs> You're on, I need that movie now. You're in timeline A, <laughs> but you need to be over so here in timeline bad. B. You've got to go back to 1956 <laughs> and change this. Um, like I really needed that scene in in Genesis, but they kind of oh my god, it was a weird combination of trusting the audience too much to understand what was going on and just leaving and leaving plot holes that they didn't fill. Yeah. Oh, I need the entirety of Back to the Future remade with. Rick as Doc Brown. Well, you know that's what Rick and Morty is, right? I know, I know that's what it's yeah. based on, but I really just, I really need Rick as Doc Brown. Yeah, like, just, I, it's not just in, in general. He's really not that far off. Like, if you just imagine him with alcoholism. In Rick and Morty, Rick is, is, is more like Doc Brown after several decades of, like, having time travel available to him. Or, right, right, you know, right, right, right. Being well-versed in science, but, like, seeing him in the past... Being like one point twenty one gigawatts. How? <laughs> Do you know about the Doc and Marty short? The first, no. The first thing that Rick and Morty creator Justin Roiland ever did uh, to create Rick and Morty was called Doc and Marty. Like that's why they're named that. Uh, they had uh. to make it legally dissimilar to put it on Cartoon Network. Um, but it's like an actual Doc Doc and Marty. Uh, 
It's really, it's really, it's pretty disgusting. It's a, it's a, it's a little skit where Doc convinces, has to convince Marty that he has to lick his balls to power the DeLorean. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very like Justin Roiland unleashed, like a little, he doesn't have like the Cartoon Network trying to make his show palatable and it's just like super gross. <laughs> Uh, but it's very funny, and it's very much just the same voices of like Rick and Morty. Okay, okay, it's it's fun. It's fun to look at because it's might see where it look came. into that. Yeah, it's it's fun to look at to see where it came from, but it's definitely like a little too too far for the a little too series. edgy for Cartoon Network and a little too edgy for me. <laughs> I'm like, ah, I don't think I need to see Marty lick the Doc's balls. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not my back to the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. <clears throat> That's five minutes on music, five minutes on a weird back to the future, uh, on Terminator slash back to the future slash Rick and Morty. Now let's get into Punisher again. Ka- Caro? Caro? Mm. Somebody, C-A-R-O, on Twitter said to us, the sex scenes in episode one of season two of Hashtag the Punisher also made me cry. At MCU cast hashtag solidarity. No, thank you, Caro. I appreciate that. That that scene hit me hard. It did. I remember. It was one of the. It really was one of the best. Um, the the most touching sex scenes I've ever seen. Most of the time, it's like usually have, there's there's touching involved in sex scenes. Ah, yeah. Ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really well done. Really yeah. well done. Yeah, it was, you know, it it showed, I mean, especially with the necklace, having to, like, throw that behind him, like, the, the ring yeah, on the necklace. Yeah, man, I love I'm gonna that. to throw that behind him. Like, the, it just, it's a physical representation of what he's having an emotional struggle doing. Yeah, man. And, I really loved it. Mm. And then the whole rest of the season was just, like, Maybe that was a bad idea. Punisher <laughs> just being able to show his vulnerability to someone and and not be the Punisher for a minute, but just be frank, looking for someone to love. Like, it was really special. Yoda Q said to us on Twitter, Adam Sucas, hashtag Punisher season two, eps one slash two. Brilliant start to the new season. Frank is the best character. Who is this girl? Hmm. Uh, her name is Amy. He probably knows that now. <laughs> I hope so. I hope he hasn't just been waiting for us to respond. <laughs> yeah, he's just been waiting like, for us to answer instead of just watching the rest of the episodes. Yeah, he's just like, I don't know, man. I, I, I gotta know. <laughs> uh, let's see. 084 said to us on Twitter, Adam's Ucast, it's finally hashtag all connected. Punisher Season 2, Episode 3 went and got the same lighting people as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., especially lately, has been very much doom and gloom lighting. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and episode three was all in the, um, all in the sheriff's station, or the sheriff's office, huh. where, you know, the lights yeah, were taken out. It definitely, it's definitely a doom and gloom, but they do, on, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they don't have the, um, lighting balls to... <laughs> It's all very, it's still, to me, it looks very visible. Like, everything's still very visible. It's dark and gray and, like, like talking about all the, um, 
all that future stuff, like everything, I don't know, everything always seems dark, but you can kind of see everything. It's sort of that, to me, it just feels like ABC lighting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this felt more real to me, like all the lights coming through the windows and I don't know. I like the stark contrast of stark darks and stark lights, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. <clears throat> it's just, um, you know, it's all made by ABC Studios, so maybe they were just like, let's do that that way. Yeah, but the Netflix shows clearly have a little more creative control to make the shows a little more stylized. Yeah, yeah. They've got a they get a bit bigger budget. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Sherman Smith said to us on Facebook, Punisher 2 Episode 3. Wow. Oh, no, wait. I want to do that as an Owen Wilson wow. So here we go. Here we go. All right. Take it again. Sherman Smith said to us on Facebook, Punisher 2, Season 2, Episode 3. Wow! Just saw this episode, and I'm I'm really loving this series so far. You could really feel the tension in the police station before everything went to hell. Yeah. I think that that Owen Wilson wow really set it off. Yeah, man. Good job. Good read. (laughs) Yeah, Sherman is for sure right. That that first... uh you know, arc of this season really made the whole season work for me. It, it just brought me into the storyline, um, and and sold it. And then everything else was just kind of gravy after that. You know, yeah. Those first three episodes, like we said, kind of felt like the uh, the opener to a video game, where you know it's like a tutorial level. Yeah, yeah, it totally did. So let's see. Yoda Hugh on Twitter said, "Adam, you cast hashtag Punisher season two. Um, oh, he's talking about the uh, the." Episode 3 at this point. I found this episode really hard going. I need more about the characters. I need a reason to care about Frank keeping this girl alive. I just don't care at the moment. Madani I still don't like. Don't even remember her name half the time. Amazing forest scene, though. Oh yeah, the forest scene was cool. Interesting. Uh, it's interesting that Yodahu, Yodahu just didn't care about these characters. I get that. I've been there. But I, I, I did, I did care. At this point. Not so much about Amy. Um, I thought she was kind of a brat at this point. At oh, yeah. ep- episode three. But I, I just care about Frank wanting to do the right thing and seeing a girl in trouble and having to help her. And, and, and he even, he even calls himself out that it's like, I guess he's old fashioned and I guess it was kind of sexist of him to want to protect the young girl, but it's, yeah. it's, that's who he is. <laughs> yep. Yep. <clears throat> So let's see, we're going to move on to uh, some feedback about episode five. <laughs> Zuhar Ali said on Twitter, Adam Cucast, when you thought Claire would be the common factor between Marvel and Netflix, but it's really Turk. I love seeing this guy <laughs> crying, laughing emoji. Yeah, I guess Claire was for a while and hasn't been since these last few, and uh, but Turk's still been in every season. Yep. That's fun. Turk has been there for all of it. Yeah, I wasn't when when this season started. I really wasn't sure if we were going to get pulled back into New York or not. Like, I, I yeah. thought it was very possible that um, maybe even the Billy storyline would end up going the way of you know he would escape and head out to find Punisher instead of vice versa. Yeah, like let me go find Frank and see why he's so mad. Or yeah, or something like that. We didn't know what the plot would be at that point, but yeah, yeah. Um. And then there's, oh god, after that it would have been like Punisher in Salt Lake City, you know, yeah. talking to Mormons. That would have been great. <laughs> Alright. Um, yeah, it could have, could have been all over the place. <laughs> San Francisco needs to be punished. 
Punisher road trip. <laughs> if I take out these bridges, nobody can leave. Who's that big guy? Now he's small. What the hell? Don't know. Because Ant-Man is in San Francisco. Good call. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) Giant Man is in San Francisco. Yeah. Beside the point, entirely beside the point, Jeffrey James said to us on Facebook, Punisher Season 2, Episode 5, spoilers! I've been slowly getting through these because I'm coordinating it with my son's schedule. I'm not in love with the series, alas. I think Amy is a bit of a, quote, manic pixie girlfriend, unquote, trope, but without the sex part. Uh, She seems to only exist to reveal Frank's character. Beyond that, though, there are plot elements that don't make sense. Example, why would Frank not take a gun to the gym and avoid the fight entirely now that he knows that there aren't any guns there? The psychologist character is totally unbelievable. The secondary characters seem to lack credible motivations. Add to Russo's unimpressive scars the fact that he's got the presence of mind to shave his chest, and I'm thinking actor would rather look pretty than be believable. Nice to see Turk again, though. (laughs) Actually, I'd watch a show that was just about Turk trying to live his life, but constantly running into powered folk. He's the Zelig of the MCU. Oh, that's super fun. That's a really fun idea. Um... (laughs) I don't know, yeah, I, I definitely, some of those uh, criticisms, we all talked about Russo's face. Um, yeah. And I thought, at least by the end, and, and this is this is me looking at the whole season, I thought that Amy actually ended up being a pretty well-rounded character. Um, it took her a while to get out of just being the bratty little girl. Right, well, she took a while to open up to Frank, which I think was part of her character, and it was it was part of the evolution of her character was at first she just didn't trust anyone and wasn't ready to, you know, say anything to Frank because she didn't think he was someone to be trusted, you know? Yeah. And I guess that makes sense because, you know, like, this guy kills people on the reg. Yeah. Like, it may be that he's killing them to keep them from killing you and him, but, like, he's still just killing people. So, like, and he's he's... Like, he tied her to a bed, or handcuffed her, no, zip-tied her to a bed, and left her there for a while, and just has really not been the nicest guy, just in general. Yeah. So, like, it doesn't really make sense for her to just immediately trust him. I guess that's, uh, you know, that's the superhero, uh, what's the word? The superhero genre rubbing off onto us is like, ah, oh, this, they're to be trusted. They're the hero. And we know that as the, as the fans. So you should know that and just be okay. And I think she was a good foil for him because she did reveal that. Like what you're talking about, the fact that he's the hero of this story that we're watching, but he doesn't really do heroic things. First right. episode, she just sees this guy kill a bunch of people. Like, yeah, she benefits, but she sees a man murder a bunch of people, which she's, you know, new to. She hasn't really seen that in her life, except for under that bed where she saw her friends murdered. Um, and now she's seeing this guy murder a bunch of people, and then he tie- he basically kidnaps her, then ties her to a bed in a seedy hotel room. Like the whole thing, there's no reason <laughs> for her to trust him. And, right. And and a lot of the season is about Frank learning to um, balance mean exterior that he has and open up to her and show a little bit of his humanity so that he 
so that she can trust him and how that that can be like more effective <laughs> in some ways in saving someone you know she doesn't always have to be the hard ass yeah i mean <laughs> there was that one episode <laughs> where he burned the building down instead of killing the guy <laughs> yeah yeah he, you know he's he softened a little <laughs> just a touch just a just little a, bit so uh that, that he, so be uh Jeffrey had a bunch of other uh, things here. Let's see. Uh, why would Frank not take a gun to the gym? I don't remember the exacts of that scene, but I think I remember thinking he wasn't necessarily going there to fight, right? He was going there to get information or something, and then it was... And the only way he'd get in to talk to the guy was not to have a gun, but then he ended up needing to fight them anyway, and it didn't wasn't really a problem for Frank. <laughs> He had just walked in. Like, he just kind of casually strolled in. Yeah. And I think the the major thing was that he didn't want to... Like, he didn't want to just kill everybody and kind of spark a whole... Like, you know, spark the whole Russian mob coming after him kind of thing. Like, he just wanted information. And he wanted to, to you know, kind of figure out who was the leader of the whole thing to... Like, that was, you know... Spurring the getting the pictures of the the two guys kissing and like all of that you know the, yeah. the senator kissing the guy just like, trying to get the lay of the land right he's just, he's still just doing some cartography yeah um but ends up needing to murder some fools in there too or does he I, I don't know if he kills anyone I don't know. he beat the crap out of that one guy with yeah like, oh yeah. A plate, a weight plate to the face. Oh, yeah. He definitely, like in real life, he would have killed them all, probably. Um, or at least put them all in serious condition. But um, yeah. in this show, I think since he didn't, we didn't actually see him destroy any hearts or brains, they're probably fine. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Removing the head or destroying the brain. That's, yeah, it's, that's zombies, but it's also anyone in a like superhero show. <laughs> <laughs> You have to destroy the brain or remove the head. Yep. Um, <laughs> Never thought I'd say it on the podcast. Um, totally agree with him. The psychologist character was pretty unbelievable. I, she had her own stuff going on, and I think like like it was it, she was a fun character, but uh, it did it, it's just the whole idea of her him ending up with the one psychologist who was fractured in such a way that it like led to her falling for Russo in a weird way. I don't know. That was all kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he kept saying like, you know, you've got your own problems, right? Yeah. And we, we knew that she did. And you know, to be honest, most psychologists you know, may have had some issues in the past and that's kind of why they want to do the, that thing, you know, that's why they want, that to be their profession is to help other people through those trying times yeah, and everything. Definitely a, some, some, some are that way for sure. But, uh, the way she went about it was a little, uh, a little weird. Yeah, it was, you know, and I'm sure it's possible for this to happen, but it's just, it was a little unbelievable as, as, yeah. uh, Jeffrey says. Oh, and, uh, going back to that moment, or the the fight in the gym in this episode, in episode five, uh, Brandon on Twitter said, Adam Tukas, as soon as I saw him grab the guy by the jaw, I said, there's Matt's badass moment of the episode. <laughs> For sure. I don't think yep. I've continued the badass moments of the episode, and I wish I had. 
I think I well, think we dropped that trope when we had to miss a few episodes, uh, and when we got back to it, I just wasn't. I forgot all about it. Sorry. It's probably my fault. <laughs> nah, man, it's cool. <laughs> it's just throwing throwing back to Jeffrey's feedback. Uh, you know, you know that uh, uh, the idea of her being the manic pixie dream girl. Um, yeah, I think she was more the like annoying escort mission. <laughs> like you were talking about, like it's a video game. Like you were talking about it being a video game, and I think very much so. Like that first few episodes, she's the annoying escort mission. Yep, protect the VIP. But yeah, God, but the VIP's a freaking idiot. Yeah, they, keep, they they're not helping. They keep doing bad things. They're not listening to Frank, and right. and I have they're to run running all over the yeah, freaking place. Totally an escort mission deal. Oh, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> yep. I love thinking about the Punisher as a video game because then it makes it a lot easier to like Frank. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <clears throat> I guess so. Yep. Uh, like this email that we got uh, says, Hey guys, I am once again finding Punisher to be an extremely well-made TV show. Acting, writing, character development are all some of the best we've seen. But I find I can only enjoy this show if I stop thinking about Frank as a hero or someone I'm rooting for. In many ways, I now think of this show like I do Breaking Bad, a great show about bad people. I think it's important that we see shows about people like Frank and Madani and Billy and all the rest and get to explore their character and motivations, etc. In some ways, it's refreshing to have a show that doesn't really have a clear hero, but just a lot of people trying to figure out what is right in a very broken situation. Not sure how that will pan out, but it does make for a lot of great discussion. As always, thank you for your commentary, though I must also blame you. I hadn't planned to jump into Punisher so soon, as this is a busy time, but then I saw your episodes and realized I didn't want to get left out of the conversation, so I had to stay up to date. You guys are too good to miss. Aw, thank you. That was uh, Superhero Ethics, right? And that was Superhero Ethics on that on that email. Thank you. Uh, I'm assuming Matthew West Fox of Superhero Ethics because yeah. you know he's our he's our shout out guy. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, the, yeah, I've, I've really. You guys should all check out Superhero Ethics, uh, the podcast. If you like this show, you'll like that one. Um, probably. Uh, they, they, I love it. Uh, they, it's 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 different. It's about ethics, and I really really enjoy that. And we we talk about that some on this show, but a lot of times we're just geeking out. I I think what they do over there is really cool and really important because you're like. I don't know. Analysis? Well, well, it's analysis, but it's, we do analysis, but they do it through a certain lens where you're actually like deliberately trying to learn from the content. All this stuff was meant to be like sort of morality tales and parables. And they do a cool job of just talking about all that stuff. In a way more intelligent way than we do. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're just going, we're just saying, oh, did you see how Frank shot that guy? That was neat. <laughs> did you see how he shot his face off? That was crazy. <laughs> And those, but yeah, so superhero ethics. Those guys are smart. Check them out. Geeking out about other people who geek out, but in a different way. Aside, <laughs> um, he did have a good point though, uh, in that Frank is not really a great guy. Yeah, I, I think that's true. A Captain America aside, <laughs> like almost everyone else is a flaw, flawed hero of some type, and like Frank is trying to do the right thing with the. With the tools that he was given and the life that he's been given and the situation he's been given, like he was trained to be a killer, like that's what he does. And they, and he and yes, there's some darkness there in that he likes the kill, 
Um, and he talks about that in this season, how his wife knew that that's the kind of guy he was. Um, yeah, she saw that monster in him and loved him anyway. Yeah, he knows he's a monster. He knows there's that monster in him. And he's just, it's sort of a Dexter thing where you're like trying to point the monster in the right direction, you know? Um, trying to make the monster work for you instead of trying to get rid of the monster, which, you know, you can say that's the better path is to try to get rid of the monster, but it's also a much harder path. And it's a path that at least at this point, I don't think Frank has the emotional, um, stability for right (laughs) and so he's just trying to point his monster in the right direction and that's there's there's a sort of um heroism to that that i can appreciate if only for that decision you know like trying to point your monster in the right direction instead of trying to just become you know craven and after out for your own deeds like Billy Rousseau, I, I like the, I like thinking about these shows in what they're trying to look at. The two characters that they focus on. A lot of times, there's a there are two characters, and they're trying to focus on like what is good and bad about these people. Like Billy is Billy also has that monster. He loves being the killer. He's also that trained killer, and he loves being that. But he only wants to use it to glorify himself. Uh. And you can say that the killing is wrong, but if you just accept that these characters are characters that are going to kill, which is a lot to accept, and I totally, <laughs> I totally get just being yep. like, they're bad guys, they're just bad guys. But if you accept that as a ground floor, then you explore, like, what do you do with your own dysfunction? Like, how do you aim your own, like, problems... <laughs> That maybe you can't, uh, you can't necessarily control. I don't know. It's it's a weird it's a weird way to look look at the world. I'm not. I mean, that's fully that's the question that uh, the Incredible Hulk has to ask all the time. It's like Banner has that monster inside him. Like, how do you aim the monster? Like, when is it okay to pull the mon the pull the monster out? But also, yeah, and like, is there a big enough target to aim at the monster? And then, like, can you reel it back in once you're done? For sure, for sure, all of that. Like, and that's the thing is, like, you look at the Hulk, and it's very much the same exploration, except the Hulk is doing it on a much more metaphorical way. Of like, there's a literal monster yeah. uh, that he's they're dealing with, um, and that and that is, a, I think, a metaphor for the same sort of thing. Uh, but then, then the, I guess the the, the way this uh, whole analogy breaks down for me is, what is that monster in? in real life like what are what are we getting at what's the thing that we're trying to talk about when we talk about the frank's monster yeah because we're saying that some monsters are worse than others is what you're what you're going for no i'm saying like other than just being a murderous guy which is probably just bad in general um what is uh what's the what's what's his murderous tendencies an analogy for in my life you know like what it, what are my tendencies that i that it would be okay for me to point in the right direction and, and my my first thing is like that that my mind jumps to is like if you're kind of mean like you just say you're you're quick-witted and sharp-tongued right 
Like yeah. maybe that's something you relish in and maybe you should try working on that in yourself, but maybe that's not the easier route. Maybe the easier route to heroism for you is to use your sharp wit to defend people uh, and, and like to, to stop, to stop bullies or bully the bullies or, which is not, again, not the best thing to do, but it, might be a thing to do better than just hurting people better than punching down as it were i don't know right. I'm, I'm just trying to analyze this from a more metaphorical sense but i don't think this show is really necessarily even going there i think this show is probably more dangerous than i'm giving it credit for because it's it's a it's it's talking about all of that and having this monster on your back that you 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 have to murder basically and you have the skills and the desire to murder and you're just trying to point that in the right direction but then it's also a show about vets and like actually and not in no metaphorical way at all they're just talking about how we treat our veterans in this country <laughs> and yeah. so i think that's kind of a dangerous dangerous message to send to vets <laughs> Like, like, hey, just um, become the Punisher. Just, You'll be fine. You know, if you've got these murderous tendencies, if you did some hard things overseas and, uh, you know, when it was in a setting where it was appropriate, uh, maybe just aim those tendencies somewhere here. Like, that's not a good. <laughs> just aim that tendency at gang violence. Right. That's not a good uh, th- thing to teach people or. So, so basically these, uh, to me, these concepts only work on a metaphor, in a metaphorical sense, and I'm not sure what it's a medical, metaphor for, exactly. Well, then, you know, go on superhero ethics, talk to Matthew Westfox again. I really think that we should bring him on for a, just a big old Punisher everything, cause, you know, it's a big discussion to have. Yeah, man. We, we should definitely have him on again. Um, really enjoyed the episode he was on a couple months ago or whatever. Yeah, it was a couple months ago. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, let's move on. We only got a limited amount of time left. Yoda Hugh said to us on Twitter, Adam cast hashtag Punish S2 at 5. The tats on Pilgrim look like neo-Nazi tats. IMO. Turns out they were. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good call. I You got that way earlier than I did. Uh, I'm sorry that you have lived a life that you have had to uh, know that much about neo-Nazi tattoos. <laughs> you know, you've had a hard life over there in the UK. <laughs> Things across the pond are not quite as uh, nice as they seem, huh? <laughs> sorry. He also says to us, uh, Adam's UCast, hashtag Punisher Season 2, Episode 6 slash 7, what did Madani think Frank was going to do when she brought him back to New York City to hunt Russo? I have a lot of motive issues with this season so far. Love Frank, though. Hmm. I think she thought he was going to do exactly what he did. Yeah. I well, think, I think I think that she's just regretting it. Right. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And I think Frank... Frank calls her on it. He's like, you you brought me here for this. You called me. Like, this is what right. you wanted. You called the Punisher. I punish. Like, that's what I do. Uh, and, and, you know, she was just, she was scattered and not knowing what she wanted. I think that when it got real for her in that interrogation, she was like, oh, this is not what I do. This, 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 I'm not down for this. This is too far for me. And sometimes I think she just got in over her head. I didn't really have problems with motivation, but her character, she was definitely going back and forth on what she was willing to do. Yeah. And that's, that's really the, the question that, the Punisher has always asked, it's like, how far is too far? Yeah. 
And, um, you know, we saw how far was too far for her. Indeed. Matthew West Fox also hit us up on Facebook. Uh, let's see. He said, the problem with Frank is that he won't let Madani be Gordon. This post is about the MCU cast episode on Punisher Season 2, Episode 7. Warning, this contains spoilers for both the cast and the show <laughs> up to Episode 7. So this is feedback on our feedback. I like it. I, I like that... Um, it's a couple layers deep. <laughs> yeah. I like that he gives a spoiler alert for our podcast, as if that Thank is necessary. That's, it's so necessary. <laughs> we have... Uh, yeah. I'm sure anyway. I said some... I, I'm interested. This, again, is uh, Matthew West Fox of Superhero Ethics. I'm interested to see what he has to say about our <laughs> our conversations, because I definitely... I go places where we're talking about ethics uh, and, and these characters in general that I don't even necessarily agree with. I'm just exploring the thoughts. So <laughs> let's see what... Let's see what I said. <laughs> that or <laughs> what, what we said that was probably bad enough to write in about... <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm already internalizing you, this. You is have probably criticism. <laughs> yep. You have warranted, like, you have said something that warrants discussion. Warrants, like, a full page message about, uh, about, like, hey, rain, I feel like Matthew S. Fox is writing in, like, hey, here, get, write it in, guys. Uh, stay in your lane. You probably talk to ethics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're sully in the name of Matthew. Come yeah. now. <laughs> uh, I'm just teasing uh, Matthew S. Fox. Uh, I know you're no. not getting our case, no. probably. What, 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 what did he go on to say? <laughs> he says, you guys brought up some great questions about Punisher and the directions he is going in this season. I, uh, I spent a lot of yesterday thinking about what you asked, one more sign of what a great show you guys put on, and just how uncomfortable he is becoming this season. The torture, the way he treats people around him, all of it. Uh, and I think that one of the biggest reasons why I can't see him as a hero is this. He won't let Madani be Gordon. What I mean by that is that in many ways I see him as similar to Batman. They both lost people they love to criminals. They both see the police as too corrupt or too scared or just not capable enough to deal with the issue. And so they have to fix it themselves. But here's the difference. Batman, as much as he has a psychological need to do his work, also wishes he didn't have to. He understands that there is an inherent problem in breaking the law to fight the law, and he wants to help build up the police to the point where he is not needed. Or it, at least needed as little as possible. And that's why in many of the Batman stories, at least, especially some of the newer ones, Bruce works closely with Jim Gordon, trying to help Gordon clean up the police so that Batman is no longer needed. But Frank doesn't do that. Frank either doesn't know or doesn't care that it, you know what he is doing is so harmful, not just to the people he fights, to the people around him, but to the, the concept of law enforcement itself. He's not trying to help or support Madani or Mahoney as they try to work within the system. He sees them as adversaries until he can convince them to be just as willing to ignore the law as he is. The direction that Madani has gone is, to me, one of the saddest parts of the show so far, and the Punisher's influence is a big part of that. Great show. So glad you guys are talking about this. Would love to talk about Punisher and Runaways. More on your cast sometime. And Matt, I would love to get uh, to get you on ours to talk The Good Place. Matt. Yeah. Um, I don't... Yeah. I love The Good Place. It's a great show. I don't know if I have anything else... Anything to say about it. <laughs> Smart. Uh, I don't... I always feel like I have nothing intelligent to add to a conversation. Yet I do casts every week. <laughs> I think I completely agree that with Matthew that there's a line there between Batman 
and the Punisher. Yeah. Um, I just don't think it's a line that we... It's hard to judge Frank for this, because I just don't think he has the same background as Batman. Batman, like, was hurt badly as a child, and then built, like, these weird psychological rules for himself and that like made it okay for him to do what he does. Um, especially the do not kill rule, which, you know, is not Frank's rule. And I, I, and I like, I, I think he's probably wrong for that. Um, but is he just coming from such a different place? This is a man who came from, he was the dog on someone's leash. He was killing without even questioning. You know, in the first season, he kills Madani's partner, uh, because he, he just wasn't questioning. And, yep. and, and that's, and then he's let off his leash and he suddenly doesn't, sort of in, in, in the same fashion as Cap, I don't think he trusts the system anymore. Um, he doesn't trust a, a, a shield. Or or a, or a or a Madani or an FBI or anyone else to make these decisions. Um, all he can do is see the bad people and stop the bad people using the skill set he has. Um, it, it, yeah, it's obviously Batman is a less morally uh, gray character, um, but I think that it's hard to judge Frank because he just comes from such a different place. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> a lot of Frank's trauma comes from being overseas and, you know, being deployed and then yeah, coming sure. home and having his family. Like, that's a lot more, uh, a lot more fresh for him. That's uh, true. Where unlike Batman is, you know, Bruce Wayne was a really, really young kid and saw this happen. And yeah, he's had years to like kind of build that up into the big scary bad guy kind of thing. Right. Well, and he had all those years of Alfred training him to, to point his anger. To it, aim it. Yeah, to aim his anger and, and to give himself rules. Like all of that comes from, you know, 20 years of being in a, Whatever, whatever version of the canon you want to talk about, but you know, League of Shadows training and Alfred giving him rules, and you know his own, and of course his own internal compass. But uh, Punisher doesn't have any of that. Punisher's just a guy who was who <laughs> liked killing and who believed in his country, and then his country used him in a in a wrong way. And then mistreated him afterwards. Yeah, and then just kicked him to the curb. And and, and he sees him mistreating a lot of other people. And he's just, he doesn't trust the system. He doesn't trust Madani. He doesn't trust them to get the stuff done. And he knows that he has a certain set of skills that he can whip out and take down who he needs to take down. So when he sees, uh, when he sees the real bad things happening... Uh, he has the same reaction that Spider-Man has, but it's just so dark, so much darker. Obviously, um, I don't know. It's interesting. I, lo- I love these conversations. I really do. Yeah, <laughs> and <clears throat> you know, it's there's that there's that other side to that is like, you know, Frank may not trust the system to to handle the thing, but it's not up to him to decide when it's okay to circumvent the system like the system is the rules like that's the law well so, sure but that, that that goes for if we're just going to say the system is the laws and we have to follow the laws then every one of our heroes isn't a hero you know yeah or, or isn't doing what they should be doing 
And I don't, I don't, you know, there are times when laws are to be broken. You know, there are times when the right thing isn't necessarily the lawful thing. Um, definitely times in history. There's times now uh, when, you know, the law is not on the right side. The law doesn't necessarily go along with ethics always. And that's, that's the real discussion for superheroes is what's ethical. Uh, and, you know, what's the morally correct thing to do. Yeah. And that's, I think, the the major difference between Punisher and Batman is that, like, it's, again, that question of how far is too far to still be morally okay and still be the hero of the story rather than just, like, the Deadpool of the story. Right. And, and I don't think that Frank even considers himself a hero. Maybe he does. I don't know. I don't know how. <laughs> I doubt he'd never say that, I don't think. No, he would say, that's your word, not mine. Uh, Similar to how Luke does. Maybe. I don't even know. But I don't know that anyone else would ever call him a hero. <laughs> That's the thing. Right. I don't think it's anyone's <laughs> word for Frank. Yep. <laughs> I think that somebody might ask him, like, you think you're some sort of hero? And he's going to be like, nope. <laughs> and yeah. just keep loading his gun. Or, you know, keep, like, charging a magazine. Yeah, that is a question he would say no to. Like like uh, the Black Widow, that's not a question he needs an answer to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he doesn't need to try to lift the hammer. He knows like, He knows where his uh, yep. purity he's is like, or whatever. He's like, nah, that's, it's not going to happen. I just, I know. Yeah. And the Cap's like, I'll find out. <laughs> Wiggles hammer. Anyway, uh, Sherman Smith said to us on Facebook, Punisher Season 2, Episode 8, great performance by the guy playing Billy Russo. If I didn't know what Billy did, I would feel sorry for him. <laughs> right? Right? And that's kind of how, uh, that's kind of where we went, you know. We, we, we know what Billy did. We understand how he got to where he was at the end of the last season. But then again, his mind got reset, you know. Somebody hit the reset button on his brain is he the same person? Can you really blame him for the things that he did? Yeah. And then, you know, he does bad things this season, but was that entirely him? Like, did that just, was that because everybody was telling him how bad a person he was? <laughs> All of these ethical questions get harder and harder when you start talking about, uh, what is a person? Right. Uh, like <laughs> <laughs> what constitutes Consciousness and, and free will and yeah. Uh, yeah, it gets a lot tougher when you really, you know, it's easy to say, hey, that's just wrong. But that's what all of these shows are doing is they're trying to put us in the mindset of these people and see the decisions they would make and like analyze. Yeah, I might make that decision, too, if given those circumstances and those genetics, you know, like, right. <laughs> that might be what I what I would do. Um, yeah. Uh, Nathaniel Muzzy said to us on Facebook, Punisher Season 2, Episode 11, spoilers, glad Karen is back, but that shirt, I don't understand how it works. Like, the sleeve thing goes all the way around, I'm so distracted by it. (laughs) (laughs) That's... I have to be honest, I thought the same thing. I kept looking at her shirt like, how the hell does that sleeve even function? I'm laughing because I don't even remember the shirt. That's funny. (laughs) That's funny that you and Nathaniel are distracted for a whole episode because a shirt is weird. It was. It was so weird. It had like an extra part to it. Like there was... I have lady fashion blindness. I just don't even know what's going on. <laughs> lady fashion blindness. That's a it's a new condition. I've mm-hmm. I've never heard of that one. Oh yeah. <laughs> what's the, <laughs> who discovered that one? What uh, what clinical research has been done on that one? Uh, 
Can I donate to a cause? Doctor Fashion. <laughs> Doctor Fashion. Clearly, clearly. Uh, Sherman Smith said to his own Facebook, "Punisher season two, episode thirteen. Great season. I think the main reason Frank didn't take Madonna's job offer is because the only time Frank has killed an innocent person is when he was taking orders from that guy in the first season." Yeah, that's true. Yep. I don't think yep. he wants to work for the government. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that's that's one thing that they didn't talk about in Civil War, uh, in the, the movie Captain America Civil War. Um, there was the question from Cap of, like, what if there's a situation where we need to go and they don't let us? Uh, and what if, you know, there's so much red tape? But there's also the question of, like, what if they tell us to go handle a situation and it really shouldn't be handled by us right or it's a situation where what they're telling us to do is the wrong thing like morally the wrong thing to do mm-hmm. and that's goes again to the question of whose choice is it uh, if the laws are unjust who's and, and you know that's the thing it's it's every individual's choice but that that makes for kind of a chaotic society if no one's following the laws <laughs> yep yep uh, Dan Hayes said to us on Facebook, generally love the pod, but for the life of me, I can't figure out why you were so sympathetic towards Billy this season. He never had any sort of redeeming moment. He sold out his best friend and let people murder his wife and children. The best thing the Netflix series have made, you understand and feel for the villain's point of view, but in this instance, I never felt that. Billy was just a bad dude uh, that felt money and stature was more important than human life. A hundred percent, uh, the only reason I felt bad for Billy this season, uh, well, two two main reasons. First one, the actor pulled it off in in an amazing way. I just thought the actor was amazing. Uh, and secondly, he doesn't remember doing any of that, and yeah. so it makes it all of this all of this Frank stuff coming at him, all this punishment is an onslaught for something he doesn't remember, and that's and that that puts him in a sympathetic position to me. I. I'm totally with you that all those things he did are horrible and he never had a redeeming moment. But that was what was so interesting about it was it asked a totally different question than can Billy be redeemed? It was more, it was a question of like, is Billy still Billy? Yeah. And, and that was, that was interesting to me. Yep. I, I cannot agree more. That's the, uh, that's kind of the exact thing is like, has his mind being reset not necessarily redeemed him, but has it made him a different person enough to say, like, I guess, you know, you don't need to be punished for those things because you, 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 current you did not do those. Yeah. It's all that, like, continuity of self stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, and, we- it's weird stuff, man. It, uh, it's a, it's a bigger discussion than we're intelligent enough to be able to handle. <laughs> right. But yeah, Dan, <laughs> I, but obviously he was, you know, a bad guy. He did bad things, but I, I, I think I just found it so intriguing to have a character that just really like didn't know what he'd done to to cause this to happen. I don't know. It was it was all really. I just, I enjoyed it. It was just such a different question than most shows ask. Uh, but when trying to redeem a villain, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Matthew Westfox over at Superhero Ethics got back to us again through an email. Said, I gotta say it, I've never been as disappointed with a Netflix show as I was when we learned that Frank didn't kill those women in, in Billy's hideout. 
throughout the show, but especially this season, I've been frustrated uh, by how little Frank wants to acknowledge the risks he takes or the consequences of his actions. Most of this season, I've been on Team Mahoney, feeling that Frank's treatment of Curtis and Amy and his approach to violence without any heed of the consequences had turned him into one of the most watchable villains in the MCU. Uh, so when we got to the scene where Frank found those women and had that amazing gift burnt all an Emmy now, by the way, realization of what he had done, I thought, wow, the writers get it. They're going to really acknowledge how far he has fallen and let us, uh, let us see him confront and wrestle with that. But instead, Karen saves the day, and we learn that Frank didn't kill those women, and so why even worry about anything else he's done, because now he's a hero again. So we can ignore all ethical questions about the Punisher, and just go back to watching him kick ass. I'm so disappointed. Netflix, I expected better from you. I, I unfortunately, I'm totally on board with this email. Um, yeah, I was very disappointed uh, with them for doing that. Yep. Really yep. sucks. It, it could have been, could have been, you know, it yeah. could have been something great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, they could have really analyzed the stuff in a in a way that they have yet to do. And they and just letting him off the hook that way. It's not even that like I mind him having not killed those women. What I mind is that he immediately is like, unlock me. I'm out of here. Like, I'm not going to question <clears throat> the things that led me to doing the thing that could have killed those women. Like, right. He still could have killed those women. Like he still put himself in a situation where he fired into a room, not caring if he killed innocent people or not. Like that's the questions he should still be asking. So not only did like, the Netflix, like the, the writers let him off the hook for killing those women, but they like let him let himself off the hook. And that's even worse to me. <laughs> but it, you know, and when he was in the bed, when he thought that, when he still thought rather that he had killed those women, he was saying like, I would have gunned him down anyway. Like it didn't matter. Yeah, I would exactly. you know, if they had been right in front of me, I would have killed anybody that got in the way. And like, the fact that you had that that presence of mind, that understanding of where you were at that point, like that point in your life where you would have done that, that's a problem. And you should accept, or rather, you should acknowledge that, Frank. <laughs> like You should see, oh, I would have gunned down anybody as like, that's bad. Maybe you should rein it in. <laughs> but yeah. no, no consequences. Yep, and I think this next email uh, from Sherman Smith, or this next Facebook message, is is similar. Oh, yeah. He says, Love the second season of The Punisher. The hotel scene where they're shooting through the wall against each other would have been better played out if Frank only shot where a hole had been created, or after the wall had been destroyed. That would have made more sense character-wise, because Frank has been shown as a big proponent of no collateral damage. It also would have shown a clearer difference between Pilgrim, Pilgrim and Frank. Yeah. I, that it, as I said when we got to that episode in the cast, that that scene pissed me off so much because we just saw him shoot through a wall and he thought he'd killed three women, and then he finds out he didn't kill three women. He feels better about it immediately with no thought of his of his issues, and then he goes to the next episode and fires through a wall for like ten minutes. It's really bad. Like, I love yep. this show. I really do. And I think that is some of the most egregious things they've done. Like, just really, really bad. Uh, that not just Frank, but none of the characters around him are analyzing. Like, 
Madani and Karen are supposed to at least sort of be the moral compass of this show. Right. Uh, They're supposed least, to be his North Star. Yeah, a little bit, especially Karen. And and Madani lost her way this season, but then she goes back to pulling him, you know, pulling him the other direction. She wants him off off his punishing ledge. And then both of them completely agree when he's like, unlock me. They're just both on board. Like, yeah, go back to being the Punisher again. You have a clean moral bill of health. (laughs) (laughs) You reset. Have fun. Go ahead. Get out there and kill some more people. Fire through some more walls blindly. (laughs) It's it's real dumb. It's real dumb and it pisses me off. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's see. Oh, wait, Forrest said to us on Twitter before he sent us an email. It says, Adam Tukas finished Punisher, and for all its flaws, it did its job and did it well. Uh, ben Barnes killed it as Jigsaw. My God. Head explode emoji. Yeah. Or it might be blowing his mind. I- I'm with him on that. Uh, uh, despite the flaws that we are just now talking about. Right. It was still a really, really impressive season of television. And... Um, Ben Barnes, amazing as Jigsaw. Amazing. Yep, yep. Uh, and then in his email, <laughs> parenthetical, I started this thinking it wouldn't be that long this time. Long story short, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we don't we don't mind. We we uh, we we like we like your feedback. Wait for it's fine. You. It's fine. I'll just read fast. Uh, he says, it's amazing how such a simple, straightforward show can just deliver and do its job. No more and definitely no less. Even though Punisher's first season doesn't have a lot of moments that stick out at me in a, in a brilliant way, I also couldn't tell you anything I pick- particularly didn't like about it. The second season, par for the course, does what it sets out to do and does it well. And it's got a few more bright spots this time around. I know people call John Bernthal the Punisher. He's as much his actor as actors like Robert Downey Jr. and Vincent D'Onofrio. But Ben Barnes knocked it out of the park, and I just can't not call him the best actor of this season. He plays basically a different character from when we saw him last, and adds an amazing performance to brilliant writing. I won't lie, it's still so incredibly stupid that he has and what like four scars yeah and he's acting like he has it worse than dominic west but that's where my issues with the character end i thought his relationship with dr quinzel sorry sorry dr dumont <laughs> Good one. would be a cliche <laughs> and it was but somehow they made me care about it and i don't know why and i'm not sure how people are going to react to his death uh, mid-apology no words from frank just the punisher being the punisher I was looking forward to those two just sitting and talking, making Billy realize what he'd done to Frank, and it was taken away without flourish. And I'm not mad about it. If any character is going to do that, it's Frank Castle. I, I agree with the 4 on all that, but man, I'm so mad about it. <laughs> You're mad at Frank. I am mad at the show. I am mad at everyone involved. <laughs> I am mad at Netflix. I'm mad at Marvel. Like, I never get... I, they will never get to sit down and have that last moment as brothers. And it... Like, I get it. It Dead Frank doesn't want that. And it does. It makes absolute sense. But man, I'm so mad. Like, so mad. <laughs> I'm going to call Joss Whedon up and he had nothing to do with it. Like, I'm just angry. It hurts me so much. <laughs> like, still, it's been a month since I watched that episode, and I am scarred from that moment. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. I'm mad at 084 for bringing it up. 
Why you gotta talk about it? I was almost in a good place again. <laughs> now another week of brooding. <laughs> it's like oh eight four bringing it up was like me seeing my shadow. Right, right. Um, <laughs> you were, winter was almost over. I saw my jigsaw shadow, and now I saw right. my broken shadow. This turned into a weird thing. Let's move on. <clears throat> yep. What does <clears throat> eight four have to say? Uh, he says the other villain was meh. Josh Lucas did great with what he was given, and that fight scene he had in episode ten was brutal, even for the Punisher standards. Uh, but I just didn't care. Not when his story was peppered in among what went on with Jigsaw. I was a little spoiled going into this in that I knew Frank's two problems would never cross paths. I thought it would be okay, but it was a little grating. It's weird because the first three episodes were amazing. Put together, they're the perfect Punisher movie we never got. Mm. If I was given the opportunity to rearrange the season, I would have had Frank kill John Pilgrim in episode three and then later on have the Schultz family recruit Billy to take Frank out. If those characters were put into, say, Preacher, I might have been more into it. <clears throat> but anytime John Pilgrim was on the screen in New York, with the exception of that one brutal fight, I just wanted to get back to Jigsaw. It was strange that John Pilgrim barely it barely crossed paths with Frank, much less Billy. Um, but what I, what I think is interesting is that they, the way they left John Pilgrim. Because I think in the end, Frank realized that John Pilgrim was just a dog on a leash yep. um and, and 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 john pilgrim looks at frank in episode one and says, or episode two and says this is someone's dog and, and he's been let off the leash yeah yep. and so i think frank realized that about john and he basically frank knows what he became when he was let off his leash and he lets John Pilgrim off his leash. And, I, and I'm curious to see if that will lead to future repercussions. If it, Maybe he will just retire to a farm somewhere and be the good man he says he wants to be. Um, or maybe he'll become a Punisher-style villain with two like young protégés. <laughs> like, oh, God. I, and like maybe next season we're going to have to see a, a showdown of a different type where like a guy who thinks he's doing similar to what the Punisher's doing, but maybe he's not. Maybe he is. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Like Punisher Academy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be crazy. Um, <clears throat> OA4 continues, I love the character of Amy, and how she's the polar opposite of our protagonist. Seeing Frank thrust into this relationship and caring for this random kid was so much more intriguing and emotionally effective than the scenes with Micro's kids last year. The uh, the onions being chopped when they said goodbye at the train station were a nice touch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those damn ninjas cutting onions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Curtis's bigger role was appreciated because he was one of my favorites from last season. Mm-hmm. Amber Rose Riva did great as Madani, although I wish the writers had given her more to do than just being hung up on the events of last season. Hmm. That's fair. That's fair. <clears throat> uh, the tenth episode of the season was the best episode of the whole show, possibly the most well-done episode Netflix and Marvel have ever put out. Such a great character study, the most brutal fights, and a heartbreaking ending. I do wish they hadn't taken away his killing those women in the very next episode. 
I thought it was important to show Frank the consequences of the way he does things. When he found out Billy killed them ahead of time, I feel like it took away any lesson Frank could have learned. But regardless, in the moment, that single episode was perfect. Yeah. And I think you were saying the same thing. I, I that, said exactly that episode the was same absolute thing. perfection. I said exactly the same thing. And it, and I, again, OE4 is bringing up pain for me. Uh, <laughs> I forgot how, and this is the problem with episode 11, taking away so much of episode 10's punch is I had like, at this point, when I watched episode 10, I was like, that is the best episode maybe of Marvel television. That was amazing. And I had, I've, I've forgotten about it now. Like episode 11 made episode 10 forgettable. And episode 10 was amazing. An amazing piece of television. And then they removed all the stakes in the next episode. Yep. All the consequences were just ripped out from under it. Really pisses me off. Yep. Uh, oh, continues, says, oh, in that ending scene, I kind of hate it. Unnecessary, no closure, no important information added. We could have left it at the bus station. We really could have, but it's fine. It's fine. It's not fine. <laughs> Hoping we haven't seen the last of this iteration of The Punisher. Things are more than bleak for Netflix and Marvel, but I have hopes to maybe see these characters on Hulu someday. Regardless, recasting the character in a movie or a new TV show would be a huge mistake for Marvel. A Jared Leto with face tattoos size mistake. <laughs> Looking forward to sending you my next thoughts on Captain Marvel, Jessica Jones, Cloak and Dagger, whichever one comes out first. Until next time, true believers. Excelsior! Woo! Thanks, 084. Oh, that was good feedback. I am very much in the 084 camp on this season of Punisher. Really, everybody, thanks for all the feedback. This was all really good and uh, reminded me of a lot of things about this season. <laughs> Brought back a lot of pain. Brought back a lot of pain. Now uh, I gotta punish the fans. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> Alright, well guys, uh, thank you again for all the feedback. This has been fun. I can't wait for the next season of some of these Punisher uh, Daredevil things. I Surely they're going to do more, right? Well, I mean, Netflix announced the cancellation of Punisher and Jessica Jones. Oh, they already announced Jessica Jones. Yeah. They oh. said that season three is going to be the last one. Wow. Okay, yeah. I, I've got to believe, and I... I forget one was it um Feige or someone this week said maybe Jeff Loeb? Yeah, Jeff Loeb said something about there being um they were they they planned to do more with these characters in the future. Yeah, yeah, it was Jeff Loeb. He said that um that it's not outside the realm of possibility for these characters to show up somewhere like Hulu or Netflix. It's not like they uh got canceled because they're you know, a, a doctor show that lost, you know, ratings in episode or in, in season 14 or whatever. Like, right. It's not that they, they slowly trickled into, you know, it's time to cut the, to cut the, uh, cut the life support on it, so to speak. It's that there were business differences between two companies that caused the shows to go away. So, yeah. You know, expect to see them come back in the future. And we don't have exact confirmation on all this, but it sounds like there's a two-year rule in place. Um, which yep. actually, the only thing that's a bummer about that is Dare, Daredevil ended like, what, three, three or four months ago. So if there's a two-year rule where they can't be on t television for two years, then Daredevil can come back. These characters can come back. And we're already like 
moving towards it, you know. Uh, he can come back in like another, whatever, 18 months or something. Yeah, yeah, it's like a year and a half at this point. But Karen was in Punisher. Right. So does that make it so that we can't see Daredevil again for, or at least a Daredevil that includes Karen? Um, and it, when I saw her, I actually didn't expect to see her this season because of that. I thought they were going to try to keep her out of it to keep her from being like keep her from being pushed back an extra six months or whatever. Um, but then when I saw her, I was like, "Oh no, that might that either means we'll get a Daredevil that doesn't have Karen in it, or uh, we're going to get." A, uh, a, a we have to wait another six months on Daredevil. Yeah, I think it's that we're gonna have to wait to see Karen again because the way that Daredevil season three ended, you know, with Nelson Murdoch and Page, and she even said when she showed up at the hospital, like I'm Karen Page with Nelson Murdoch and Page. Right. <clears throat> so, like, you know, it's it's it sucks. Yeah, it does, but. If, if I mean, here's what my my thing, what Marvel TV should do is they should start a new show like now, like a Ghost Rider or a Moon Knight. Oh yeah, or a, you know any of these uh, any of the any of these other kind of Marvel Knights type characters. Start them like start them in production, get them out like a year from now, but but be planning. So that you have arcs that are going to lead into the Daredevil. Uh, you know, you could have like some sort of symbol of Daredevil or like some sort of teaser at the end of a Moon Knight series where he's like, you know, found out that Daredevil is whatever. You know, you could have some sort of thing that just is symbolic to the fans and be like, yeah, they're coming back, you know. And we mm-hmm. just haven't seen them in two years. But if they if they take this time to build up, just like they did, I mean... For a long time, X Men, X Men were the most popular Marvel characters around, uh, but they were owned by another company, and so Marvel itself had to take less popular uh, characters and turn them into what they did with the Avengers. Um, and I could totally see them doing that. With you know, right now we love Daredevil and Punisher and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. And these, these are our defenders that we've gotten used to and we want to know, hear more from. But this could be an opportunity disguised as a problem where they're going to just take two years to work on other projects, build up another character, invest some love into it and build a, you know, like I said, Moon Knight, um, Moon Knight's the one that everybody's been yeah, clamoring for. for sure, for when sure. you talk Defenders or when you talk Marvel Knights, or, or it's young, Moon Knight. Young female Blade, that, that's been kicked around uh, yeah. by some folks. Like, uh, do like a Daughter of Blade situation. Um, I want to see a Johnny Blaze into Ronnie Reyes. Yeah. Ghost Rider. That would be cool. We already have seen some of it. Uh, in in Agents of Shield, so it would it would worry me that they wouldn't stick to that canon because they'd be like, yeah, it's it's Agents of Shield. They'd be like, no, it's not. It's all the same. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd, uh, so that's the only thing that worries me about about any sort of Ghost Rider show. Of course, I feel like they could just do Johnny Blaze because uh, he he gave the spirit of vengeance to Robbie Reyes, but we don't know that that means that Johnny Blaze isn't still out there doing his thing, you know. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know how the spirit of vengeance works in this universe, and that's fair. Uh, it could be that there's two ghost riders at a time. Who knows? 
<laughs> it's usually just one, but well, I mean, right? Like I said, in this universe, know, in this universe, they could do something. In this different. universe, it could be like, oh, hey, you want to share this? Right. <laughs> you want your skull to catch fire? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, and yeah, we know that he gave it to uh, was it Mac for a minute. Yeah, and I guess he didn't have it during that, so that's a flaw in that. And he but. gave it to uh, he gave it to Colson. Yeah, at the end of the season, I worry about them doing it uh, and just not paying attention to the way it was done in the in in in, in Agents of Shield. But anyway, uh, that's all neither here nor there. I just think they should they need to be planning. Like they've got yeah. two years. They talked about Defenders and how it was like such a big feat to have all those shows work into each other. And it's like, yeah, you got two years right now. You could you could be <laughs> start working on it again. Yeah, be in a writer's room right now. Put together a really good, well connected storyline for all of these characters to come back to. You know, yeah, they, circle back. Absolutely could do that. All right, guys. Well, we are the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. Hit us up at mcucast.com, at mcucast on Twitter, facebook.com slash mcucast, mcucast at gmail.com, or call us at 573-CAST-MCU. If you want to support the cast, go to patreon.com slash mcucast. We got a few new Patreons, patrons. Thank you all for uh, subscribing. Um, we'll need to do some like actual shout-outs um, soon. Um, Really appreciate all the subscriptions over on Patreon. It really helps us make the show and keep it, uh, keep it, keep it going. Uh, you can go over there and subscribe and get early ad free access to all of our episodes. Um, we appreciate y'all. Peace. Until next time, true believers. Mm-hmm.